Welcome to the Patrick Jones Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Jones, former hitting coach in the Baltimore Orioles organization, and now helping high school baseball players get recruited to play in college. In today's episode, my guest is Aaron Longenecker. Aaron is currently the hitting coach for the Southern Mississippi softball team. He is also a former, I can't believe I'm saying this, Aaron is a former U.S. Secret Service agent serving for over 20 years working as an agent before he retired and decided to coach softball. In today's episode, we're talking about developing hitters in softball, Aaron's unique journey journey from United States Secret Service agent to college softball coach. I don't know why I find that just so crazy, but it, it is, I guess, because it is. And what Aaron is looking for when he's out recruiting. So he talks about some of different ways he finds players, talks about social media, Twitter. It's Aaron's awesome. I've have loved connecting with him. I met him in person at the NFCA conference in San Antonio this year. He's he's a great coach. He's just he's a great guy. And and anybody you talk to in the softball world says the exact same thing. So I'm excited to to let everyone hear from him. Like I said, he's got a unique journey. He served as United States Secret Service agent for 20 years, so he's got some pretty cool stories. And I didn't bug him too much, though, with with any of that. We, for the most part, focused on softball, but we touched a little bit about his his prior career. For those coaches who are listening and are constantly looking to evolve and get better, check out my weekly newsletter. It's called The Hitting Chronicle, where each Tuesday at 9 a.m. I send out a newsletter on ways to improve on the mental game, develop better mechanics, drills you can do in a cage, time management skills, and anything else related to hitting development. So if you head to my website, patrickjonesbaseball.com, you'll immediately see a place where you can sign up for the Hitting Chronicle, and you'll be added to the list. So patrickjonesbaseball.com to sign up for the Hitting Chronicle, my weekly newsletter. Ladies and gentlemen, here is now my episode with Aaron Longenecker. All right, welcome in, everybody. We have a very special guest today, and Aaron Longenecker. Aaron, appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Hey, no problem, Patrick. I, I appreciate the opportunity. One of those longtime listeners, first-time caller kind of a situation, so looking looking forward to it. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we we first met in person. We've been following each other online, but a couple of weeks ago at the NFCA. I tell you what, man, you're you're not somebody I would want to mess with just based on how you look like he looked like you could do you could you could do some damage if you wanted to you look intimidating <laughs> excuse me yeah i get that a lot and i'll tell you it's it, it's sometimes that's a challenge you know especially in especially in the softball world not gonna lie you know you you kind of have this appearance and this kind of nature and kind of air about you i guess and some of that's i guess from my prior lifetime but but yeah it 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 can shut some doors and and make things a little bit more difficult and you know but really I'm I'm not that bad of a guy. <laughs> so I I was doing some research on you and and right now you know you're the hitting coach at Southern Mississippi which is you know great great program great place to be. Previously you were at Louisville and so I was reading up on your bio when you were at Louisville and if you scroll down to the, the very last thing that they write on your bio at the very bottom it's like they just hinted in but for 20 years, you were a U.S. Secret Service agent. What, yeah. So how uh, how do you go from U.S. Secret Service agent for 20 years to now being the hitting coach at Southern Miss? Well, I don't know. That's a that's a kind of a 
long and involved story, but I was a, well, actually prior to, to my time with the secret service, I was a state trooper in Kansas for about four or five years. And yeah, a very good friend of mine that I was a trooper with that I helped train when he first came on. We're still friends to this day, really good friends. His daughter is a volleyball player for Louisville and was a third team All-American. And, and so I had kind of had that funny connection from, you know, past life, but no, I was a state trooper and kind of knew that I wanted, had bigger aspirations, I guess. And I, I had known some other federal agents and different agencies and they just kind of pointed me toward the secret service. And, you know, it, it's a lot like applying for any other job. It's just a little bit more intense and, and extensive and takes a lot longer. So probably from the time I applied to the time that I was appointed as an agent to even begin training, that process probably took close to two years. Oh, wow. And some of that is the government, you know, how it works, but a lot of it was just their vetting process and their application process and, and interviews and polygraph tests and, and just different things, physical ability tests and things like that. So it takes a period of time, but, but yeah, I, I got through that and yeah, I was an agent for 20 just a little bit over 20 years and proud of that career and proud of that experience. And I think it's helped me immensely kind of as I became more involved in coaching. And honestly, I, 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 as we discussed prior to the show, I have a baseball background. I, I was Juco bandit for a minute and, and not nearly long enough. And one of those things I should have committed to playing longer, I just didn't didn't feel it back then. And I played at Neosho County and in Kansas and Steve Murray is the head coach there. And he is still the head coach there. And I was on his first team. So kind of a fun fact, I guess, but that been, oh, 35 plus years, I guess. And he's still there going strong, has a really, really good program, very, very well known, produced a lot of talent there. So proud of my little touch with that, with that program, with his program there. So when you, when you got done playing, when you were in college, before you went and was it, and became a state trooper and then in the secret service, did you have the coaching itch? Like, did you even think about coaching then? No, I really didn't. You know, I, I played fast pitch regionally after college, played a lot of slow pitch, but stayed involved in fast pitch as much as I could. But, you know, we were back then, you know, you're talking about the, you know, late eighties and, you know, back then you, know, you really didn't think about coaching as a career, you know, that, that a coach was like, it's like a gym teacher or something, you know, it's just like, that was like, ah, I don't want to be that, you know, but Again, you know, that that's kind of falls under one of those things. I guess you, you, you don't, you're not very smart when you're young. And so that was my not very smart moment, I guess. But, but I, I stayed involved and, you know, stayed involved in the game. I had a, a, an ex-wife that was a, a very talented collegiate pitcher at the NEIA level. And, uh, she was, she was involved in pitching lessons and different things. So I was around it a little bit, even, you know, even as my career is when the secret service began. So stayed involved. I 
Once my son started, remarried, my my son, stepson, but he's really my son. He was, I've been around him since he was three years old. So him and his sister. So I feel once he started playing, I kind of, I thought, well, rather than kind of take the the usual route of, you know, maybe, yeah, I'll just teach him what I know. And, you know, that'll be, you know, because it worked for me. And I thought, eh, I mean, you know, because I, I kind of, I pride myself on, on kind of not being stupid at, at, at as the least amount of time as possible. So I thought that what I, what I, what had worked for me and, you know, work back then I knew wasn't going to work now because it was just, it was totally different. You know, back then there was no, there was no video. There was no, you know, you saw one or two games on TV. I grew up near Kansas City in Southeast Kansas. I'm a lifetime Royals fan, lifelong Royals homer, Chiefs homer. And, you know, back then you had one or two games a week you saw. And my dad at the time when I was really learning to play, he was a track guy and wasn't really a baseball guy, but he played fast pitch. And so, you know, he, he did some things, but basically he was a big figure it out guy. And that's kind of what I've become, but he, he would, uh, he said, well, you're not left-handed, so you can't hit like George Brett. So you're a righty. So you're going to hit like Hal McRae. So we would just watch Hal McRae. And so all through high school, all through American Legion ball, right into college, I, I hit, I set up in, in my setup and in my swing was exactly or as close as I thought I could get it to be to how McCurry. And back then, you know, we're very front foot, front foot oriented. You know, you kind of got out on your front side and, you know, you watch all those, all those old swings from, you know, McCray and, and Fred Lynn and guys like that, that I grew up watching. That's how, how we hit. So I, I knew, I knew pretty much that was, that was not going to be, that was not going to work now. And so I. I thought, well, I really need to take a deep dive into this and I'm not afraid to learn. I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to be stupid and ask a stupid question. And, and so that's what I started doing. I started getting involved on Twitter and started watching. Were you at this point, were you coaching anywhere when you were starting uh, doing this? Not, no, no, I was no? just helping my son and was busy traveling, you know, life of an agent, that kind of thing. And, but. I, I just listened and learned and asked questions and talked to people and, and I just kind of went from there. So you, you got done with the secret service, you know, you've been trying to help out your son. Why, why, why go through the grind of now you're, you're retired. Now you want to start coaching softball, collegiate softball, and you're starting from the ground up, Like you're not starting at a power five school. You're starting small school ground up like what was the the thought process behind that well uh, honestly i'll tell you exactly it boils down to i was still i'm still very very competitive very competitive and this was coaching was a was a way for me to for me to compete and you know my fellow my, my coaching friends they know this and and you know and and the people that don't know me the coaches they'll hear this you know if they listen to this podcast, but if you don't think that I'm up, not out there competing against whoever's standing over there in the other dugout, then you're, you're wrong. You, you, you are sadly mistaken because that's exactly for me. That's exactly what it comes down to is I'm, I'm competing through my kids against 
whoever's over there. And, you know, friend or foe, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, when you're standing over there, you're, you're, you know, you're the target and that's just kind of how I've approached it. But, but it, it was definitely because of a competitive out, you know, outlet for me, I think. Why, why softball and not, you know, I was, I was coaching my son and I was still, I was still an agent at this time and trying to juggle all that, all the travel and all the days gone and all that. But I was coaching, helping my son, coaching some of his teams as a, as you know, a 12 year old. And then as he got a little bit older, you know, it was time for him to go play for somebody, not dad. And, you know, but as I, when I got kind of done him and he went on to, you know, play travel ball and, and do all that for some other people and other organizations, I was actually approached by a friend of mine that his son played on our teams. And he said, you know, Hey, what do you think about getting back into coaching softball? And I, I thought, well, you know, I, I miss it because I always, you know, love the game and enjoy it. It just been a long time since I'd, you know, really been kind of around it or whatnot. But, um, you know, at the time my wife wasn't real crazy about it. And there was a lot of, you know, eye rolling like, oh my God, there's one more thing that he's going to do now. And, and she's, yeah. I'll tell you, it takes a special person to kind of, to kind of be with coach Aaron. Cause he's, he's, you know, when, when we, when I dive into something, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't half-ass it and I don't, you know, I, I don't know how to not do it full bore, full speed and all of the time. So, so I just, I, I got back into travel softball and, and at the time in Arkansas, I really felt like that, honestly, that it, it was undercoached, I guess. And you didn't have any kids on the team or anything? No, I didn't have any kids on the team, which was unusual because it's, it was definitely more so than baseball, it was definitely at that time daddy ball. This was this was before this was before the really big organizations took over in in travel ball and softball. So it was kind of like, hey, you recruit your team and and you know and and I'll recruit my team. We'll line them up and and see what happens. And that's that's really what it was at that time. I, I went out and actively recruited players and, and, you know, I was lucky to, to get a lot of really good kids in central Arkansas from, oh, North Little Rock and Cabot and Bryant and, in some places there that, you know, North Little Rock had won five, five straight state championships, seven, a state championships and was fortunate to get some of their players and and had some success. So I think that's kind of what led me down that road. Mm. What What was your experience in the travel softball world in terms of the recruiting and everything? I'm sure that that as that helped you once you became a college coach is kind of understanding the the back end of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, again, this was this was before the big organizations and 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 not that they're not that that's bad at all because it's not it's just it was just a different time back then and i remember i remember when the first college coaches started reaching out to me about my kids and you know i was like you know you know kenny was asking me from oklahoma state about some kids and and you know and i was like why are these people 
why are these people contacting me? I didn't know that's how it worked. Mm. No, I thought, well, they're, they should, they should be talking to the kid, but I, you know, cause I, I really honestly had no idea, but uh, you know, all these, all these coaches started contacting me. And so I, I learned kind of early on how that, you know, how that travel coach, you know, has a lot of influence over, you know, where that kid might ultimately end up, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Now that you've seen both sides of it, how could travel softball be improved? That's kind of a, a tricky, tricky subject and maybe just a little bit of a, not sore subject, but it, my biggest thing, I think, and I had some conversations with some organizational guys at the, at the conference about this, that, you know, there's talk about us, we might limit our fall recruiting period. We might restrict it a little bit and we might shrink it down to something a little bit more manageable because, you know, right now we're, we're recruiting from the, you know, the day after the, the college world series is over until, you know, until the first kind of dead period, which is, you know, right around Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving and, and whatnot. So, um, that kind of, that kind of brings me to what sort of my point is I think kids one the biggest thing I think that could be improved about it or that in my in my mind would make it better is if kids were allowed to spend a little bit more time develop on development and a little less time playing tournaments and you know what I'd really like to see is a, a, a a balance between their development and then, and then their competition. I think there's, you know, let's play over the summer and, and whatnot, but you know, then I think there's a time for these kids to get into the gym and, you know, they, they need to find their way to the weight room and they need to walk around and pick heavy things up off the floor. They need to get with their swing coaches, their pitching coaches, their, you know, they, they need to make time for that. And they also, they also need to make time to, to do other things too. They need to make time to be kids they need to make time to play volleyball and they need to make time to play basketball and they, you know, all of those, that's just my sort of my, you know, thought process in it. How do you go about identifying some of the players that, that you, you're, you would be interested in and in trying to recruit to get to come play at Southern Miss? I'm a big, well, the short answer is social media. Oh, really? Oh yeah. You know, the second, you know, not, not maybe in particular, any particular order, but you know, Twitter is very valuable, you know, having a relationship with a coach and organizations that you trust and know, you know, have really good players and are being developed in the way that you would like for them to be developed is, is of equal importance. And, and then just getting out and, and, you know, finding those players. But but really, you know, Bryce, Bryce Neal and I, we, we talk about this. We've talked about it for several years now. It's just with the, with the explosion that the kind of the tw hitting Twitter explosion and all, you know, we, we consider Twitter to be sort of like qualified leads. Mm. And, and, you know, so a lot of times it starts right there and, you know, and, and, and coaches hang out on Twitter. They do, you know, whether they, whether they say they do or not. You know, they do. I'll, I'll probably get vilified for, you know, saying that publicly. But yeah, they, they do. And they, you know, it's kind of like the Zoom meeting where, you know, that person's sitting behind the black screen. 
Mm. You know, they're there, they're there and they're, you know, and they're engaged just like I am. I'm, you know, I, I fully, I'll, you know, admit it, you know, every day. Yeah. I'm on Twitter. I'm watching, I'm seeing, watching kids I know of, I'm seeing new kids that I know of. And then I start from there. It's not unlike investigating something, you know, it's, 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 it's like a, it's a qualified lead. It's a lead. It's a sales lead. It's an investigative lead. Mm. Hey, um, what's the deal with this kid? This looks like there might be something there. And then you kind of, you, then you take it from there. You know? what, what, what's, what's one recommendation you would give to kids posting on Twitter in terms of just the video angle or, you know, environment that they're in? Like, is there anything that, that you personally, like to see? Yeah, personally. And again, I'll probably get, get, you know, I'll probably get roasted for saying this, but Try to those those game changer angles from directly behind the umpire have no value. They really have zero value. I've said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just and I they keep doing it. They keep doing it. They keep doing it. You know, and and, and you know, and they're trying to get full field and and you know, and I I understand it. They you know they want to make sure that Jenny and Susie you know get in there and and whatever. But uh, but yeah, that that's a it's nice that you post it, but yeah, it, that, that's a tough, that's a tough angle and really, really doesn't show me, you know, much of anything. Do you like kids who, who tag you? Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah. I don't, that, I mean, it shows me that they're interested and, you know, and that, that's a, that's a big thing, you know, for us here with, with coach Poole and coach Izzy and I, we, you know, we, we really, we really want, we want kids that want to be here that want to be at Southern Miss, not, not, you know, kids that, well, they may want to be here. They may want to be somewhere else or they, you know, and, and we try to, we try to identify those kids, you know, early on that, 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 you know, that, that has a lot of value to us. So Aaron, I, I know you mentioned earlier about how you felt that the, the seat being involved with the secret service as an, as an agent in the secret service for 20 years helped you become a coach and has helped you to this day from everything that you've learned when you were working as a U.S. Secret Service agent. Can you, can you give any examples of, of how that helped you? Well, I think primarily from a standpoint of, you know, you, you spend, you spend a, a career basically, you know, working every day, training every day with, with the individuals, you know, other agents, all the entities within the secret service also out, you know, training outside with, with military and different teams. And, and, you know, you, you get a, you get a crash course in, in high performing personalities and type A personalities and, you know, just hard charging individuals and in mission oriented, you know, people and taking that experience, you know, the, being able to, to, to draw on that experience. And then, because really when you're coaching, that's kind of what you're trying to do. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to motivate, you're trying to show motivation. You're trying to, you're trying to develop that within your kids. Some of those, some of those traits and tendencies. So having that experience to draw from has, has really just been invaluable. And I can't, I can't speak to that enough. Yeah. I may have not been a coach, you know, for my whole entire career, but I think I, I think I come from a background that, 
that lends itself to doing, you know, what I'm doing now and, and what I hope to, you know, continue to do in the future. What are, what are some of the, the things that when it comes to personalities, are there certain things that you look for when you're recruiting a, a player that based on their, their personalities from, from what you've seen in the, in your past job that you're like, okay, yes, I'm all in on this player or maybe not. Cause I know this personality based upon all my years as a, as an. Yeah, actually that, that's a, that's a very accurate description of it. I would say, I, I think. Definitely, you know, I, I think there's a difference between, you know, there, there's, there's that kind of, kind of high volume, you know, hard charging kind of, you know, in your face personality that some kids have, which I think is, is awesome. And then, you know, there's also, there's also kids that, that have that inside of them and they just, they're just not quite in your face. They're, they're a little bit more reserved with it and it's a quiet sort of intensity, but I, I think I do pretty well at identifying, you know, reading that person. And, and it's kind of what I've had to do for a long, long in my, you know, former life, former lives was, you know, learning to read people and, and get a, you know, get a good sense of them in a, in a short amount of time. And so, so yeah, I think you see that, you know, you, you, you can identify that in some kids right off the bat and then, you know, and then there's, and then there's the kids that, you know, um, that you can see a little bit of hesitancy, I think, and, in just a little bit of, oh, I'm not sure, but, uh, and as it doesn't, it's not a knock against that kid. It's just, you know, it's just something that you can see and they may, they may certainly grow out of that, you know, as well. I, you know, my, my personal experience, I was, I was pretty reserved as I, as a kid, I was a little bit, a little bit hesitant and a little bit unsure and, and not really aggressive and, and it, it took me till adulthood really to, and then having some, some of those ex training experiences that brought some of that out. But I had an old football coach one time tell me that, no, if, if they don't bite when they're pups, they're not going to bite when they're big dogs. And so that kind of, that sort of, you know, tell, you know, kind of turned, told, told me a lot about, you know maybe kids. Have you found that to be true? I found it to be true and untrue. Absolutely. But yeah, you just never know. It's not, it's not a reason to, it's something you can pick out maybe in a kid right off the bat, but it's not, it's also not a reason to discount some other kid because maybe they don't have that either. But, but you certainly want to see that competitiveness and that, that intensity out on the field. And and I see that with, with almost all kids, you know, they get out on the field and, and that's really where you, where you want to see it. It's almost like you had a, a master class in, in, in the art of coaching where you're, you're reading body language, like you're reading, you're doing all these things that, that coaches do. You're just doing it at a more serious level, right? I mean, it kind of, it's, it's a master class, really. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I'm not going to, you know. I guess maybe, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at like promoting myself and that sort of thing, but, but yeah, I think it, I think I would agree it, it was great experience. And I think it's stuff that I draw on, you know, every single day. Now, you know, the downside, I think you, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Some of that downside is just my personality, maybe and my, the way I look and my, just the way I carry myself a little bit can also 
you know, be a little bit of a, of a, of a handicap, but, but I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. And it just is what it is. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those uh, either love me or hate me kind of, kind of the people. So, so hopefully, you know, hopefully it's the, the former and not the latter, but, but yeah, I, it has been tremendous experience that I feel like I can draw on every single day. And, and, you know, I try not to tell stories to my kids, but once in a while, there's something that, you know, will, will come up and I'll, I'll paraphrase it and edit and, and, you know, then take out stuff that I can't really comment about and and, and make it work. But, but yeah, there is some of that that happens every day too. Awesome. I love that. Being that you're the, the hitting coach at Southern Miss, like what's, what are some of the things that, that if, if someone were to come watch you guys in the fall, like they would see in terms of your practice design and environment and, and things of that nature. I think that they would see, they would see a pre, an element in practice where we're specifically trying to develop something and we're, we're, we're trying to develop something in that player. There's, there's, you know, there, there's, there's overall development player development. And then there's, there's, there's specific development within that, you know, within that, within that development plan, so to speak. So, you know, one thing, one thing that I learned, um, uh, uh, with, with Sharon a cage in a dugout last year with, with Bryce Neal, who is one of the, probably one of the better hitting coaches right now in softball. And, and it's, it, it it's time for people to kind of recognize that the young man is just really intelligent in, in his, the way he, the way he teaches and the way he develops is thoughtful and insightful and, and he's just a master communicator. So I can never say enough about coach Neil, but what I, one thing I learned from him, one of the many things I learned from him last year was, you know, how to have how to have a specific plan, uh, for each, for each kid. Okay. When, when, when they come to Southern Miss, you know, they're going to, they're going to be shown a plan. This is how we're going to develop you from freshman to all American. And, you know, this is our plan. It may not be, you know, we, we think it, we think it's the right plan and we think it's going to be successful and we, and we hope, you know, and we're going to do, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to, to make it successful. And that's what we'd expect back from, from the kid, but you will, you will have a plan. It's not just, Hey, you're going to come in here and, you know, we're going to get in line and, and you're going to do what everybody else is going to do. No, there there's, we're going to have a specific plan for you and that plan. Some of it may be similar to, to the rest of the team. Some of it may not be because each kid is different and each kid requires different things to be developed. So I think that's, I think that's what they'll see. They'll, when, when they come in, they watch practice, especially when we hit, they will see very specific things going on. Hey, we're, we're working on this today and we're working on, you know, this may be the focus for this week even, or this today or this week or the month or, you know, or however that works out. So 
I think would the would the plan that you're referring to is that is that a, a written out plan for them like that you give them or is it an ongoing thing that you're constantly working on with the player? No, I think it it, it is a it's it's a written plan to begin with, and it's more like a framework. I would say you know th- this is the framework. This is how this is how Coach Poole and I, Coach Izzy and I, this is how we view your development at this point, but. You know, if, if you think that, if you think that that's how it, you know, well, I'm just going to, you know, I write this out and then we're just going to follow it step by step, you know, well, that's wrong. You know, that's not how it works, but it gives you a framework and gives them a framework. And, you know, but once, once the first toss is, is, you know, flipped and the first, you know, ball is hit off the tee or, or whatever it is we're doing, Hey, that, you know. You know, because you, you you know, you you've done your own player development. You know how much that changes. Oh, wait a second. All right, now now okay, now we've got to shift gears. We thought we were going this way, but now we're going to go. You know, now now we're going to go another direction. And so it's a it's a framework, but it's fluid. You know, as you know. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying earlier about about Bryce Neal, because I know you mentioned him a couple times. We've had him on the podcast too. After you get done listening to this episode with Aaron. That episode with Bryce is episode 262. So you can check that one out after you get done listening to this. But I think, Aaron, just we were talking about it, you know, in terms of giving hitters plans and how the plans are do evolve, you know, once things start, you know, coming into action, the ball starts being thrown, things of that nature. How do you incorporate and, and help the players with, or if you do, right, maybe I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth with like building an approach or having some sort of, of plan once they get in the box during a game. Well, that's, and that might be the most important thing of all, you know, as your, as your talent level goes up on your team, you know, you, you hope that you're spending way more time, uh, you know, on approach and on, on a plan, you know, for in the box, because ultimately that that's going to be the most important thing. And we talk about that a lot here at Southern Miss and something, something I've carried with me, you know, from, from last year, some of the stuff that Bryce and I kind of developed and what we found a lot of success with, but yeah, it's, I would say, you know, it, it's one of those, it, it's a deal where, you know, part of your fall, you know, your initial month or so of the fall, you're trying to get a feel, especially for the new, for the freshmen and the newer kids and trying to kind of see where they're at. You're trying to introduce, you know, common language and verbiage and, and Hey, when I say this, this is what I mean, because they've heard it, they've heard it some other different, you know, a hundred different ways or whatever, but from now on, you're going to hear it this way. So when you hear that, this is what I mean by that. You know, once you kind of get that going, you know, then it becomes, then then for sure, you know, you shift as much as you can into plan and approach. You know, you don't forget the mechanical side, but, but you know, as soon as you feel like they're, they're, you know, they're prepared to, to understand kind of what we're doing and understand plan and approach in the way that I say it, the way that coach Poole says it, the way coach Izzy presents it, then, then, Hey, we, you know, we, we make that almost every day, you know, some, there's some, 
and, and, you know, we hit almost every day, if not every day, and we have practice within our hours and whatnot, we're hitting every day. So some of that, some of that, a portion of that will always have a lot, sometimes more, sometimes less, but a portion of that will always be working on plan and approach, working on our mental, our mental game. What are some of the ways that you've, you've been able to help players with, with the mental side of the game or players who are, who are have, struggling to deal with failure? Is there a process or, or anything that, that you've tried in the past that, that has helped certain players that, you, that you've worked with who have struggled with that? Because everybody does struggle with that, some more than others. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, and this kind of hits home for me because I was, I was a mental disaster when I played. I, I could, I could do some things and I could, you know, I could hit the ball a ways, but there were some, you know, trash can size holes in my swing, but, and there were, you know, Grand Canyon size holes in my mental game. And so I, so that really, when I started coaching, I realized that, Hey, that was probably the, one of the, that was the biggest thing that held me back and really, you know, if I had more success, I probably would have played longer, but I didn't have that success and it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with physical tools. It had everything to do with my mental, you know, approach or lack thereof and confidence and everything else. So, so that became a huge thing for me when I, when I started coaching, I first started working on it a little bit. And when I was coaching at Central Baptist College, when I first started there, working with, with my hitters, we, we talked, that was when I first kind of started talking about, you know, making good decisions and, and hitting is decision-making and we try to make as the, the best decisions that we can. So one of the earliest things that we did was, you know, good decision, bad decision. And, and again, I'm, you know, something that Bryce and I probably collaborated on, you know, even way back then. So making those good decisions is the first, you know, the first kind of the first, the stepping stones towards having, you know, having a good approach and having a good mental frame of mind. So I would say the next thing really that, that I, I have spent a lot of time talking to Alan Jager and super nice guy has been just amazingly helpful and, and accessible to me. And we spent a lot of time talking about some of his mental approaches and some of his drills. And so I have, I have implemented a lot of, a lot of his kind of mental strategies. I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a qualified, I don't know what to call it, a yogi, I guess, but we, but we go out and, and the kids, you know, we go out, we meditate and we spend, we spend some time at the beginning of practice. It doesn't take long, you know, 10 minutes or so, but we spend some time out in the center field grass, just kind of looking inward and breathing and just trying to get, you know, trying to get centered and, and trying to get in a good frame of mind for practice because, you know, these kids come running in from class and, and, you know, they're, they're hammer down a pop tart or something, you know, on the run and putting their shoes on and, and, you know, they got a million things going on and anytime that we can just have some quiet time and, and, you know, sit down and, and 
sit down, lay down, spend some time just being quiet out in the grass and breathing. You know, your breath is something that I've learned that from Alan and from listening to other people, you know, breathing is most, is the most basic thing that you can do. And so if you focus on breathing, everything else, you know, is just kind of noise and it brings you back to, you know, sort of in that middle ground in that very, in that center where you can, now you're in a pretty good frame of mind. And we take that up to the batter's box too. I've got a drill where I will have them, basically they get in, they get in the box, they, they have a, a plan. And then once they, once they step into the box, they, it's, it's not, not about playing anymore. Now it's just about breathing. So I have them, they step in the box and live at bat against, or maybe against the machine, whatever it is. And they step in the box and they breathe and they count. Um, they breathe and they count and whatever happens in that at bat, we'll, we'll do different things with it. Like we'll go through a full at bat pitch by pitch and I'll have them step out each pitch and I'll say, what number did you get to? Oh, I got to, you know, I got to. 15. Well, you're probably breathing a little too fast, you know, mm. let's deepen it up, slow it down, breathe and count. We get back in, we go to the next pitch. What, you know, step back out. What'd you get? You know, what number? Well, I got, well, I got to, I got to five this time. Okay. Well, now we're, now we're in there. So now it's, then it becomes more about, they're thinking more about breathing and counting and they're less worried about that pitch, you know, coming in or, well, you know, what is it? Their vision gets better. Everything, you know, everything just kind of, you know, focuses because they're, they're not thinking, you know, they're not thinking outward. They're not distracted. They're not distracted by the noise. All they're doing is reacting at that point and had a lot of success with that. We did it a little bit last year in the cage and different things. And, and I always get some good, good response and good feedback from that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Being able to just focus on the breath and focus on being present, which is probably, or you could argue is one of the most important skills in hitting is just if you can be present in the box, like how, how beneficial that is. So I really like that. I mean, Alan's, Alan's awesome. He's a, he's a legend it's in the mental side of the game. And I think it's great that you two got to connect and, and you're taking some of that stuff and putting your own spin on it and helping the players that you're working with. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and I try to do that with, with everything, you know, I, I take a little bit, I don't know, I don't know everything and I don't have to be right either. You know, I, I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I'm, I'm, I, I hope I'm, I, I hope I'm right. And I hope I'm going down the right direction and, you know, and I'll stick with it until I think I'm not, and then I'll change. But, but I take a little bit from everybody and, and, and it has nothing to do with, with, you know, right or wrong or, or, you know anything. It just has to do with, well, I, I think that that really resonates with me and, and I, I, I can, I can feel that and I can see that. So, so yeah, that's just how I've approached everything is just being, you know, a, a lifetime learner. And, and again, I'm, as you said at the beginning of the show, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, starting from, from the ground up on this and, and I for sure absolutely don't know everything. Well, for for having only been doing it for a few years, man, I mean, you're already pretty far along. I think that's pretty cool. Well, I think that's a product of, 
you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, maybe that has a little bit to do with, with, with how I've approached it and, and, you know, maybe what I'm, you know, that I'm somewhat capable, but also has a lot to do with surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I can't say enough about Natalie Poole, um, and her giving me this opportunity down here. First of all, just a the highest quality human that, you know, you could ever hope to be associated with, but she, you know, and we didn't really know each other. We knew of each other, but we had, we had very good, you know, close mutual friends and, and, you know, and, and she brought me in and, and she said, here you go, you know, you know, whatever you, you know, it's pretty much been whatever I say. And she's given, given me a lot of latitude and, and like total latitude, I would say. And so, you know, I, I just can't say enough about that. And that, that's, that's really somebody that like that, that empowers you and gives you, you know, gives you that type of, of, you know, latitude to do, do your, to try to do your job, to try new things, to all that, you know, okay, well, that, that was pretty good. Well, that sucked. We're not going to do that anymore. You know, that, that takes a, that takes a great coach and a, a great head coach and a great human being. And, and again, I just can't say enough about her. And that's probably why I'm, you know, where I'm at at this point. It's, I think that's something that so many people maybe just don't even think about outsiders is just how important it is to be on a, on a staff surrounded by people who, who support you, who have that growth mindset. And I mean, it's just, it's very underrated. And if you're in a place where you're, you don't have that, man, it's because you're, you spend so much time with them. Right. And so it's, you're spending so much time. And so that's why it's so important to, to be on a staff surrounded by people who, who are, have that growth mindset, right. And, and the energy you just feed off of each other. Yeah. I've been fortunate. I, I've, I've been fortunate with, with being able to be around a lot of those types of people. My head coach at Central Baptist College, Jordan Jones, she's at Arkansas Tech now in Russellville, Arkansas, D2 school. She's going to have a lot of success there. We had a lot of success at, at CBC, but she's, a again, just the ty- that type of person that you're talking about, growth mindset. She's young and energetic and and, you know, she was willing to let me, you know, do what I, you know, try things and fail at things. And, and, you know, we, we succeeded and we failed, you know, together, but she was willing to do that. And, you know, it was a, was a really good, a really good person that I learned a lot about how to build culture from. And, and then, you know, spending last year in Louisville with, with Bryce, of course, was just an amazing experience, but, but also important, you know, as important was, was my time to be around coach Holly and coach Griff and, you know, coach Griff who played, you know, at the highest level in softball and was a college world series participant and, you know, coach Holly, who is, who's played at the highest level team USA and is, it has been almost, you know, at the beginning of, of really college softball up, up till now, you know, being around those two was an equally, you know, positive and, and significant experience that I learned a ton from defensively from coach Ollie, just the things that she 
has studied over the years about defense and, and being in different things like that and, and just an incredible experience. So I've been fortunate that way and, and we're starting off, you know, that way here at Southern Miss, it's, we're a little bit behind new staff coming in. Coach Izzy had been here already as the, as the GA and then the volunteer. So that had helped that could have helped our transition. But, but again, just, you know, being, being a little bit behind, but you know, having that, what you're saying, you know, having somebody like Natalie to just allow you to fail and be okay with it is, is, you know, made it a much easier experience. That's awesome. Aaron, appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's been a ton of fun. You're, you're the first guest that's a former secret service agent. So I, I commend you on that. Appreciate you doing that for, for the country and uh, man, it's going to be fun following you guys this year. Thanks, Patrick. I, I, again, I really appreciate the, the opportunity and hopefully I added some value to your programming and your content. So I know we had some, some prior discussions about whether or not that might be the case, but no, you definitely did, man. It was great. Hopefully, uh, hopefully somebody will, will get some value out of this, but I, again, I just really appreciate it, Patrick and, and appreciate you and thanks again. For sure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones baseball. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, text it to a friend, email it to another coach, This podcast is going to grow by word of mouth faster than any other way, and I need your help in order to make that happen. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another brand new episode next week. (laughs) 